Thank you for checking out the Messages of New Grace. We are a group of believers in Roanoke, Virginia, who are dedicated to loving God, loving others, and serving others. We hope that today's message is a blessing to you and your family. For the past five weeks, we've been in a, a series looking at the Holy Spirit. We've seen who the Holy Spirit is and His work in the life of a church but also his work in the life of a believer. And, and today we come to the portion of this study that everybody's been waiting for. This is what you've been tuning in for. We are going to look at the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us as his children. So with the introduction last week, we had kind of an introduction to spiritual gifts, what the, the purpose of them was, who receives spiritual gifts. And, and we didn't really look at specific spiritual gifts. And that's what we're going to do today. And there's a lot to look at. I honestly could have taken three or four more weeks to talk specifically about spiritual gifts. I could have given one week alone on prophecy in the tongues. And so we're going we're gonna to look at the specific gifts that God has given us. Now, with, with all we have to look at, as, as Jerry Reed said, we have a long way to go and a short time to get there. So let's just jump right in. And there are several passages of Scripture throughout the New Testament that talk about spiritual gifts. And we're going to begin by reading them, and then we're going to look at those spiritual gifts and see what they mean in the life of a believer today. So the first verse we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 28. <clears throat> the Bible says, And God hath sent some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. Then we're going to look at a passage we looked at last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse number 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Then we're going to uh, flip over to Ephesians chapter number 4. And we're going to start reading in verse number 10. <clears throat> He that ascended is the same also that ascended up far above all things, above all heaven, uh, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Then flip back to Romans chapter number 12. We're going to start reading in verse number 6. Romans 12, verse number 6. It says, Having then gifts... Differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. Of ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. And he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, this is not the, the only places that the spiritual gifts of God are, are listed, but these verses encapsulate 
uh, all the verse, all the, the gifts that we see in Scripture. And some verses contain the same thing. Some of them contain prophecy a couple of times and apostles a couple of times and tongues a couple of times. And so they, they, they all contain different lists. Some of them have the same list, but I want to look at these gifts and I want to define them for you. And I want us to better help, help us understand what God has given us and also what God has gifted you for. The first gift we're going to look at is the gift of the apostle. This is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And the, the office of apostle and the gift of apostle are two different things. The office of the apostle was, was held by, over history, 13 men. These men were, were hand-selected by Jesus. They, they, they physically witnessed the ministry of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, and they were called by Jesus personally, and they've all died. There, there are no more apostles on the earth, earth but the gift of the apostle is something different. The gift of the apostle, it is given by God to those people he chooses to use, those men and those women that he uses to plant new ministries, new churches, and to, to take the gospel to unreached people. Uh, these are typically missionaries and, and church planners. They are, are gifted to take the gospel to different cultures and to challenging environments, and they are gifted to help disciple leaders that can take over that ministry when they move on to do a different ministry. These, these people, they are leaders of leaders. They are ministers of ministers. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He held the office of apostle, but he also had the gift of apostleship. Second gift we're going to look at, and I'm going to run through a lot of these quickly because there's a lot to get to. We've got 19 gifts to look at. Some of them take a little more explanation than others. So we're going to run through a lot of them quickly. The second gift we're going to look at is the gift of the prophet. This is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 8 through 10, Ephesians 4, and Romans chapter 12. And the gift of the prophet is, is translated as prophet and prophet prophecy, but they come from the same Greek word. One is the verb form, one is the noun form. And a prophet, someone who has the gift of prophecy, is a person that is gifted to speak God's truth into the life of other people. Now, these prophets are, are not getting a revelation from God. Like the prophets in the Old Testament, the prophets in today's culture are totally different. Prophets in the Old Testament like Moses and Isaiah and Elisha, they heard directly from God. They received the word of God directly from God. That does not happen anymore. God does not, auto, does not give new scripture anymore. He does not give new revelation anymore. So they are not getting a new revelation. They are sharing illumination that God has given them. It's the gift of receiving divinely inspired messages from God 
and delivering those messages to other people, whether it be believers to encourage them or rebuke them or strengthen them, or it's unbelievers to show them the truth of the gospel and their need of salvation. The, the, the gift of prophecy is for the purpose of exhortation, correction, comfort, inspiration, and it's meant to equip and to edify the body of Christ. And this, this gift is not just for pastors and preachers, but it's for any believer that God uses to speak the truth of Scripture into the life of someone else. So you may not be a pastor, you may not be a preacher, you may not be an evangelist or a missionary, but you can have the gift of prophecy, the ability to, to hear from God and receive illumination from God and then speak that into the life of other people. Then thirdly, there's the gift of the teacher. This is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and Romans chapter 12. And this spiritual gift, uh, the spiritual gift of teaching, it carries a heavy responsibility in the church. It's, it has a, a heavier responsibility on it than the gift of prophecy. In fact, James in the book of James says that teaching is such a, a, a gift that has such a heavy responsibility that not many people should be teachers. Those with this gift are tasked with effectively communicating what the Bible says and what it means on how believers should apply it to their lives today. It's not just revelation from God. It is speaking the truth of God and what the Bible says and how we apply that to our lives. These people, people who have the gift of teaching, they take joy in seeing other people learn and apply the word of God to their lives. And they make sure that the church doesn't fall into error or doesn't fall into sin. They're the ones responsible for making sure that what the church is receiving from the pastor, from the, the man of God, that it's, it's backed up by Scripture. The third gift we're going to look at is the gift of miracles. Now, the gift of miracles, it's found in 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. And this is one of the, the sign gifts. It's one of the most misused in some circles. And it's feared or ignored in other circles. But this gift is real, and this gift is present and active today. Now, it's not a permanent gift. Someone who's been given the gift of miracles, they can't just, they're not like Harry Potter uh, going out and performing magic whenever they want to. It is given to people at certain times for certain circumstances. This gift is subject to the will of God. Jesus, while he was on earth, he performed miracles. The apostles, while they were on earth, they performed miracles. Even some of the disciples like Stephen and Philip, they weren't apostles, but they were just lay people in the church. They performed miracles. Miracles were given to the church to reveal the presence and the glory of God to his people and to create an atmosphere of worship to God. And those with the spiritual gifts of, of, of miracles, they're not slaying people in the spirit. 
They're not healing people or or they're they're really they're not doing anything that we would notice because all these gifts, they're not to bring glory and honor to the people. They're to bring glory and honor to God. They don't draw attention to themselves. They don't seek a following. They always point to Jesus and they always glorify God. People with this gift, they understand that God is sovereign and God can work when and how he desires. But they make themselves available to listen to his prompting. Now, how does this, how does this gift work in our culture? How is it seen in our culture? The, the gift of miracles is marked by prayer and petition to God to reveal his glory to his people. They're not walking on water. They're not raising the dead. They're not doing great healings that people notice. They are marked by people who pray to God in faith, believing God will work. Believing that the miracle that is needed, God will do that miracle. They always point to God. They always glorify God. They never bring any attention to themselves. Fifth gift we're going to look at this morning is the gift of healing. Again, this is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, as well as 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. And this, this is another sign gift. And like miracles, it's misunderstood and misused by some people. And it's ignored or feared by other people. But this gift like the gift of faith and of miracles, it's exercised in faith and with complete trust in the sovereignty of God. There's no guarantee that a person with this gift is able to heal someone, and they often don't know if they have this gift. Those with this gift, they are compassionate toward the sick, and they pray over them regularly. They have great faith that God, the great physician, will heal if it's his will. They believe God can and will heal some, but they're not deter deterred when he chooses not to. And I, I have seen this gift in action. I have seen people who should not be healed, be healed by God because of God's people praying that he would do it. I've seen, I think of Howard Wood. A couple years ago, Howard Wood almost died a couple times. But I remember one night we were in the hospital. He, he was bleeding internally. His kidneys were shutting down. The doctors had no hope for him. So what do we do? We prayed for God to heal him. What did God do? God healed him. So... I've got to get to... No, I don't know if it was me. There was a lot of people praying there. There were people all over the, the church body who were praying for Howard at that time. But God chose through the faith of his people and the prayers of his people to heal Howard. That's a miracle. also saw it last year with Fred. <clears throat> I remember when he went, went in for surgery for the first time, the doctors told us he, he probably wasn't going to wake up. 
his, his body was too weak and battling infection too strong. His heart wasn't strong enough. And they, they told us flat out, said, we're going to take him back to surgery. We're going to put him under anesthesia, but he's probably never coming out. So what do we do? We called people to pray. I got on my knees and prayed. We prayed for God to do what only God could do, and God healed. The gift of healing isn't some showy thing where someone swings their coat around and breathes on people and they fall downhill and start walking. But God does heal. People who are sick do get healed. I think of Hannah. She came here, she got baptized, found out she had a brain tumor. The doctors uh, uh, did surgery. They gave her some treatment and she was healed. Well, that was a doctor's healing them. Well, of course, God uses that. But God miraculously healed her through the faith of his people. See, people with the gift of healing, it isn't showy. It doesn't draw attention to them. It always brings praise and glory to God. Next gift we're going to look at is the gift of service. Now, that's in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and Romans chapter 12. And this gift, it uses two different words to describe what service is. It's the same Greek word, but in Romans it's used as the word ministry, and in 1 Corinthians it's the word helps. But they mean the same thing. And it literally means to wait tables, to be of assistance. This is the gift that God gives to people. And he uses those with this gift to fill in the gaps of the ministry, to meet the needs of the church as it fulfills the Great Commission. See, people with this gift, they are committed to spread the gospel. They are committed to serve in ways that benefit other people and never shines a light on themselves. They don't seek recognition. They don't seek position in the spotlight. They just love to help out. They are content with serving in the background, knowing that their work will bless the church and show the love of Christ to other people. These are the unsung heroes of ministries. These are the ones that work in the nurseries and the sound room and the ushers. And, and they're the ones that clean up the service, that clean up the church and, and volunteer to help decorate and volunteer to help do things. And they never ask for, for recognition. They don't want a big stage where people can look at them and applaud them. They just want to serve the church and serve God. Next gift we're going to look at is the gift of administration. And like the gift of service, this gift, it isn't showy. It's often overlooked and overshadowed by other gifts. The Greek word that it uses to, 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 to the Greek word used for administration, it usually refers to a shipmaster or a captain. It literally means to steer. Those with this gift, they, they are able to organize, to direct and to implement plans to lead others in the ministries of the church. Now, this gift is related to the gift of leadership and the gift of...
focused on the people, but the details that will help the people know God better and worship God better. It is, it is concerned with the details. And we need people with the gift of administration in church. You know, if we have people that don't have any idea how to organize or take care of the details, the church is a mess. And God says the church, everything should be done decently and in order. Next gift we're going to look at is the gift of tongues. It's found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, as well as 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Now, don't freak out. The gift of tongues, it, we're going to talk about it. It's going to be biblical and it's going to be okay. I promise. But I'm not going to dismiss tongues completely either. I'm going to be honest with you. I did a lot of study the last several weeks on the gift of tongues. And I don't fully understand this gift. I did a lot of research. I did a lot of study. But I need to do more. See, this word, the word used in these passages is the same word used in Acts chapter 2 after the day of Pentecost when it talks about Peter and the apostles speaking in different gift actually being used. And the word literally means languages. It speaks of someone speaking in a way that glorifies God. Of Acts, when they were preaching, they were preaching in different languages, but they didn't know it. They thought they were speaking their own language. People who were listening heard it in their language because that's what they were speaking. We see it in Acts chapter 2. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, not to forbid the speaking of tongues. So it, it must still be available today. And like every other gift, this gift is misused and misunderstood and feared. But it's misused because this gift is never meant to bring glory or shine a light on the person who has it. They don't know they're doing it, and so they're not, they're, they don't understand what they're, what, they're, what they're doing, and so it never brings glory to them. It's always to bring glory and honor to God. There's a lot that we don't fully understand about tongues, but there's a lot that we do know from Scripture. We know that not every believer receives this gift, and those that do, they don't have access to it all the time. Again, it's according to God's will. Tongues are not supposed to be erratic speech, but they're always supposed to be controlled by the one speaking. So if you're in a church and someone gets slain in the spirit and they get up and start speaking some crazy language that no one understands and people are, oh, look, they're saying the spirit. That, that's not the gift of tongues because it's erratic, no one understands it, and, and people are bringing attention to them. So that's not a proper use of the gift of tongues. Tongues are never chaos, because nothing that God does is ever chaos. We also know that tongues, no tongues are to be spoken in the church without an interpreter or someone to understand. Again, we see this in Acts 2. We're going to get to interpretation of tongues, but if, if someone begins speaking in a language no one understands, and the people listening have no idea what he's saying, that's not the gift of tongues, because if you're speaking the truth of God, 
Someone has to be able to understand it. Someone has to be able to receive it. And, and we also know that tongues should not be forbidden. Now, I know this is probably a reason that you hung around, and I know I didn't answer it all. I didn't answer all your questions, but that's because I don't have all the answers. And I may never have all the answers. But I'm content in the truth that God has given me in Scripture. Tongues are not an erratic language. They're not an unknown language. They are someone speaking the truth of God in a language they don't know, but someone else understands and hears, and they don't know they're doing it. And it brings honor and glory to God. Next gift we're going to look at is the gift of wisdom. This is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. This gift, the gift of wisdom, it refers to an intimate understanding of God's word and commandments. And, and all these, this understanding, it results in holy and upright living. What it literally means is it means to speak to the life of an individual to speak to a situation with understanding and the goal of guiding someone to holiness and to worship God. People with the gifts of wisdom, they're able to take from their life and share what God has given them through those times. They can see where a decision may lead and they can warn against those things that are harmful or unfruitful. Now again, those who have this gift typically don't recognize it in their life. Because if they did, it would bring glory to them, not to God. So if you're sitting there listening going, yeah, I got the gift of wisdom. I can tell everybody what their decisions are going to do and where it's going to take them. And I can warn people and I can, I can see what's happening. And I like to tell people, you probably don't have the gift of wisdom. Because if you did, you wouldn't really know it. You would just use it to bless people and to glorify God. Next gift we're going to look at is the gift of knowledge found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. And this gift, it simply means knowledge and understanding. It's, it's similar to wisdom, but it's, it's the ability to speak knowledge to others during a, a situation or a problem that they're facing. It's an understanding of the things of the world and how they relate to the gospel and to scriptures. It's, it's used by God to bring understanding to believers and it allows others to relate the Bible to every aspect of this world. It's the gift to see how every decision we make relates to the gospel of Christ and the building of the kingdom of God. Next gift we're going to look at is the gift of faith. This is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Now, the Greek word used to describe the gift of, gift of faith, it means confidence, certainty, trust, and assurance in the object of faith. In this case, God is the object of faith. And this gift, it comes from a close relationship with God, a relationship that is so close that it gives a trust in God and allows this person to live boldly for God. God gives this gift to some people in the church to encourage the church and to build up the church and so the church can learn to trust God. People with this gift, they are secure in the sovereignty and the goodness of God. They expect God to move 
and they're not surprised when he does. Next gift we're going to look at is the gift of discernment, found in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. This gift, it enables some people to distinguish between the influence of God, the influence of Satan, or the influence of the flesh. And the church needs these people. They need these people with this gift to warn believers in times of danger and to, to keep them from being led astray by false teaching. People with this gift, they're able to, to discern if, if someone is, is being influenced by God or being influenced by their flesh or any other way. And I've, 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 God has given me this gift in certain situations where I can hear something or see something in someone's life where I can say, they're not, they're not being led by the right purpose. They're not being led with the right motive in mind. They're acting out of their, their desires instead of acting to serve God. And God can give you this gift as well. It's the gift of discernment. The uh, next gift we're going to look at is the gift of the interpretations of tongues. This is found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. And this goes along with the gift of tongues. And like the gift of tongues, I don't fully understand it. It means literally to interpret interpret or explain some message that is not understood. Now, we don't really see this gift being used in Scripture. But what I believe it means is God, I believe we had this gift of interpretation of tongues in Acts chapter 2. When the people heard it, they understood what was being said. But what this means is God reveals the, the meaning of words or messages being spoken, and the interpreter relays those message to other people. Again, I'm not 100% sure how it works because we've never seen it, see it be explained or practiced in the Bible. So I can't fully explain it, but that's what it means. Next gift we're going to look at is the gift of evangelism. Every believer is called to be an evangelist. Every believer is called to reach out to the lost world with the gospel. But some believers are more effective at it. Those with, with the gift of evangelism, they have the unique ability to clearly and effectively share the gospel with others. They also have a, a burden in their heart for the lost, and they go out of their way to share the gospel with them. I know Brother Paul Gillespie had this gift. He had the gift of not just explaining the gospel to people, but the desire and the burden to share the gospel with everyone who could. I know Brother McCormick has this gift. He shares the gospel with everybody he comes in contact with. He shares it with, with telemarketers. He shares, shares it with people who send him junk mail. He passes out tracts all over the place. He has the gift of the evangelist. Again, we're all supposed to evangelize, but God has gifted some people with a talent and a burden for it. Next gift we're going to look at is the gift of the pastor. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4. This gift, it, it carries a lot of responsibility of leadership and teaching. People with this gift, they are, they are called and gifted to care for the spiritual well-being of a local group of God's people. They're, they're called shepherds. In Scripture. And like a shepherd cares for the sheep and knows the sheep and loves the sheep and protects the sheep 
and gets involved with the sheep. That's what a pastor is supposed to do. Pastors are first and foremost servants. They are servants to God and servants to his bride, the church. Now, they're given a mixture of gifts and abilities by the grace of God that allows them to serve the need of the community they live in. The goal of the pastor is to reveal the glory of God in Christ by the power of His, of His Holy Spirit to a people who need God's grace. Next gift we're going to look at is a gift of exhortation. Again, found in Romans chapter 12. This is a gift of encouraging. It's, it's used by God to help strengthen believers and the church. There are some people who, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what they're going through, you talk with them, you spend time with them, you just, you feel better. You feel encouraged. You feel strengthened. Because God's given them the gift of exhortation and encouragement. It is used to remind other people of the amazing work and promises of God and to help those who are wavering in their faith. People with this gift, they can, they can motivate and uplift as well as challenge and rebuke to bring spiritual growth and glory to God. Next gift we're going to look at is the gift of giving. Again, found in Romans chapter 12. This gift was given to some people in the church to help meet the needs of the church and the ministries of the church as they reach out to the community. The purpose of this gift is to encourage and provide for the church while giving all the credit to God for His love and His provision. People with this gift, they love to share with others. They're hospitable. They seek ways to be a blessing to other people. Now, believers without this gift, you're not exempt from giving. So don't be watching this morning thinking, hey, I don't have the gift of giving. I guess I don't have to give anymore. No, we are all commanded to give our tithe to God, our offerings to God. We're still commanded. And, but this gift, it doesn't just refer to money. It's giving of yourself. It's giving of your time. It's giving of your talents to help and encourage others. It can also be called the, the gift of hospitality. Someone who's just open and friendly and willing to do whatever they can to help anybody they can. Next gift we're going to look at is a gift of leadership. Again, found in Romans chapter 6. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12. This, this gift of leadership, it's, it's related to the gift of administration, the gift of the pastor. It, it means to lead, to protect, and to assist in the care of others. But while the, the gift of administration is more task-focused, the gift of leadership is people-focused. It's focused on leading people into a deeper relationship with Christ. Next gift we're going to look at, final gift we're going to look at, is a gift of mercy. Now, we're all called to be merciful because God is merciful to us. But this, this gift, it, it goes a step further. This gift is being patient 
and compassionate with people who are suffering and people who are afflicted, no matter what the cause is. Someone who's suffering with cancer, someone who has this gift is, is compassion with them. Someone who is suffering because of a decision that they made in their life, this person is also patient and compassionate with them. See, people with this gift, they have empathy for the trials and the suffering that people are facing. I can tell you right now, I don't have this gift. If you're suffering because of something that just happened, just life, man, I can empathize with you. I can be compassionate for you. I can pray with you. I can weep with you. But if you're suffering because you did something stupid, I have a hard time feeling bad for you. I'm not going to ridicule you or, 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 you know, blast you or anything like that, but I have a hard time showing empathy for someone who does something stupid and they're suffering the consequences for it. It's like with my kids, whenever they, they hurt themselves, I always ask them, did you learn anything? Because if they did something stupid to get hurt, I'm sorry you're hurt, but you brought it on yourself. You know, this week I was opening up a package and the knife slipped and cut off a piece of my finger. And man, it, it bled like a stuck pig. I mean, it, just, it bled forever. I, I, for a while, I thought I was going to go to the hospital, get that thing cauterized. But I didn't expect anyone to show empathy for me because that was my stupidity. I was cutting the wrong way. I did it to myself. I felt bad for me, but I didn't want anybody else to feel bad for me. And, but that people who, are, who are, have the gift of mercy, they were, they're able to come along beside me and say, I'm so sorry. How can, how can I help you with that? You know, me, I come along, if my kids did, I come, I'm so sorry that you were dumb. Good luck. See, I don't have the gift of mercy. Other people do. See, the people with the gift of mercy, they are literally the hands and feet of God to the afflicted. They weep with those who weep. They mourn with those who mourn. They bear the burdens of other people. It's a beautiful gift of the Spirit. Now, this was all either very interesting and informative for you, or you're thinking, what's the point? I don't get what he's trying to teach us here. Well, here's the point. Whatever gift God has given you, and we saw last week, if you're a child of God, you have a gift. You, you probably have more than one, but you have one of these gifts. Whatever gift God has given you, it's not for you. It's for everybody else. Remember last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the common good. God blesses you so you can bless other people. Not to bless yourself, not to bring glory to yourself, not to bring attention to yourself, God gives you gifts so you can help other people, you can encourage other people, you can point other people to Jesus, and you can glorify God. He doesn't gift you to have people look at you and talk about how great you are. He gifts you so you can have people look at Him and see how great He is. 
He gives you gifts to bring glory to Him. If you are not using your gifts that God has given you to encourage others, to strengthen others, to bless others, or you're using your gifts for your own glory, you're using them wrong. There's a lot of people in the church who have gifts that God has given them. They either don't understand it, they don't recognize it, or they don't care because they're not using them to build the church. They may not be using them to build themselves. They may not be using them to bring glory to themselves, but they're not using them at all. That is sinful. That is wrong. I don't believe anyone in our church is using their gifts for their own glory. We don't have any Benny Hens here or Tammy Faye Bakers. We don't have anybody who is seeking glory for themselves. But we have a lot of people who just aren't using their gifts. That's just as wicked. It's just as bad. You need to ask God for forgiveness. You need to ask God to show you what your gift is and how you can use it to bring glory to Him and to build up His church and to strengthen His children. But if you're watching this morning, you're listening and, and you're not saved, what's the point for you? Well, there is no point for you. These gifts don't apply to you because you're not one of His. We saw last week, He only gives these gifts to His children. If you're not one of His children, you don't have this gift. You may have talents and abilities, but they're just natural talents and abilities God gives you like He gives everybody else. You're not supposed to use them to glorify anybody, God, or help anybody because you're not one of His children. But you can be. You know, Paul says in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, we saw it last week, he talks about all the gifts. He says, if I prophesy, but I don't, I don't, have, I don't have love, I don't have the fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's pointless. If I speak with tongues, but don't, don't have the gift of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, it's, it's empty. If I do anything for God, and here's what he's saying. If I do anything for God, but I'm not one of God's, or I'm using it for my own glory, they're pointless. So you can have a talent, but you're not, you're not using it for God because you're not one of God's. It's empty. But you can be one of His. You can use the gifts and talents God has given you and the spiritual gifts He'll, He'll give you when you're one of His children to encourage other people, to bless other people, to glorify God. Just got to know a few things. You have to know that you're a sinner. Bible says, for all have sinned and come show their glory of God. That means I'm a sinner. That means you're a sinner. We were born enemies of God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Because of my sin, I deserve death. Now, death isn't just my body stops working and I go into eternal sleep. Death is found in Revelation 20. It says, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the, in the, uh, the and whosoever's name was not found in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Death is is eternal separation from God in a real place called hell, and there's nothing you can do. Again, we all fall short. We can never be good enough to earn God's forgiveness. We can never be good enough to be accepted into God's family. 
But Romans 5, 8 says, But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Romans 6, 23, The wages of sin is death. It finishes, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That gift is seen in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. He left the glory of heaven, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins and your sins. When He was on the cross, the wrath of God for all of our sins was poured out on Him. He took the punishment we deserved. He willingly died, was buried, but three days later He rose again from the grave proving that He was God and proving that God had accepted His gift of eternal salvation for all who would accept it. All we have to do is trust Him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God's raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. All you got to do to be a child of God is to believe you're a sinner. To believe sinners deserve hell and there's nothing they can do about it. To believe that God loves you so much He sent His Son to die in your place and you put your faith and trust in His death, burial, and resurrection as total payment for your sin. That's all you got to do. And when you do that, you become a child of God. You're adopted into the family of God. And you can use your gifts to glorify God and help others. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior or you're not sure, I'm going to lead you in the prayer. There's no power in the prayer. There is no sinner's prayer found in Scripture. But it is just you confessing to God that you believe these things. You believe you're a sinner. You believe sinners go to hell. You believe He died for you. And you accept His gift of, of salvation for your soul. So I'm going to pray. You pray along with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know that I am a sinner. Lord, I know that my sin is going to send me to hell. Lord, I know that there's nothing I can do about that. But God, I also know that you love me. I know you love me so much that you did for me what I could never do. You lived a sinless life. You died in my place. And you rose again to redeem me to you. God, I accept your gift of salvation. I accept your righteousness on my account. Thank you, Jesus, for doing for me what I can never do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, we want to rejoice with you. We're going to put some information on the screen here. Just reach out to us. You can call us. You can text us. You can email us. We just want to rejoice with you and help you get started on this new relationship. Maybe it's our church you can come to. Maybe it's a different church. We just want to help you grow in your relationship with God. For the rest of us who are watching, the rest of New Grace family, thank you once again for joining us. I know these times are difficult. I know these times are trying. But God still has a purpose. God's still in control. And God still wants you to use your gifts for His glory.